Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to our broadcast of the podcast series, Unvarnished. As you might recall, this is the continuing series on the chronological story of the scriptures as delivered to us by the Right Reverend Rastus Roosevelt Washington III, pastor of the Kingdom Come Last Baptist Church of Gumneck, North Carolina. Uh, thank you, Reverend Washington, and welcome back. Uh, thank you, Chuck. It's good to be back, and uh, I'm glad that we're finally getting recognition for putting forth the scriptures in an unvarnished, as this program is called, fashion. The reason why that's important is because I find that many of the flock have strayed over the years and has found that the scriptures don't say some stuff that they do say and does say some stuff that they don't say, and that would be the doctrine of the strict scriptural constructionists, which we believe in strongly here in Gumneck. And by the way, Chuck, in case I haven't mentioned our revival, an open tent ceremony, which will include our annual fish fry that's going to be held on the shores of the Alligator River at the, well, Reverend, uh, that's a good, and we'll be happy to get to that, but I think it's important that we continue the chronology of the Bible as seen through the perspective of you and your congregation and that strict constructionist view. So please, uh, Continue. Well, I think we finished in the beginning, and uh, it's time to move on to the story of Adam and Eve's after they were thrown out of the Garden of Eden with impunity, I might add, and a terrible angel was placed at the gate so they couldn't get back in with a flaming sword. So Adam and Eve, now finding themselves thrown out into the real world, had to start plowing and hunting and sowing and cooking and trying to get a place fixed up so they could have chillings. Now, the scriptural term is that if you knew somebody, the next thing you found out is they was found was child. This is the scripture way of saying that they probably had relations. But in a diplomatic fashion of the strict construction, he knew her and she had a son and they named him Cain. And they had another son, and they named him Abel. And Cain and Abel was brothers, if that's not clear to your viewing audience, Chuck, because they was from the same parents. Now, this is interesting if you go back to the beginning when in the Garden of Eden, the Scriptures clearly states that a man is to leave his parents and to cleave to his wife. This would be unusual if Adam and Eve was the very first persons because they would not have had no parents to cleave to or him, parents to leave, which creates a point of confusion in the strict constructionists of the doctrine. However, getting back to the present, Cain and Abel was brothers, and they had some clear distinctions. Well, what might have those distinctions have been? Well, first of all, Cain, he was a man of the earth and the field and the farms. He grew crops. He might even invented the plow. 
That's not clear from the scriptures, so don't take that strictly. And he was very proud of his vegetable growing operations. As a matter of fact, he might have been what y'all white folks today calls a vegan, because I don't know, but he was known for raising stuff. Now, Abel, he apparently was some sort of a shepherd that herded around sheeps and goats and something of that nature. And as was required at the time, a sacrifice was made to God to let them know that they was atoning for their sins, period. Now, as the story goes, Cain put some of his vegetables on the altar and set them on fire. And apparently, God did not like vegetables, was not a vegan, or perhaps the concept of tofu had not come to pass. But regardless, this is our first clear evidence that God was probably a carnivore because he liked Abel's offerings. And Abel's offerings consisted of the fattest portion of his best sheepses, which he could kill and take to the altar as a sacrifice. Now, uh, are you trying to tell me that there was a preference for meat and a disdain for vegetables with respect to their offering? That's exactly the point, Chuck. I can't believe you you got you hit it on the head. It says God didn't think much of Cain's offering, and Cain got all pouty mouth about it. So he's walking around looking all sullen. And God said, What's the matter, Cain? How come you look that way? And he said, Well, you know, you like Abel's sacrifice, you don't like mine. He says, Well, if you offer up the right sacrifices, I will like it. To which Cain apparently took offense. Now, this is one of the first times that the Bible in the strict scriptural constructionist view, tells us that Cain killed Abel. And when God came around looking for him, he said, hey, Cain, where's your brother Abel? Because Cain was jealous, and he didn't like the fact that God liked Abel's sacrifices better than that he liked his vegetable concoctions and crops or other things he was offering. So this is when we first learned that Anybody who answers a question with a question is probably hiding something. When God says, hey, Cain, what happened to your brother Abel? He says, huh, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? To which God said, I know what happened. You killed him and left him buried in the ground. And because of that, I'm going to put a mean curse on you for the rest of your life. And Cain said, oh, whoa, if you do that, anybody out there who hunts me down, they might do something mean to me, hurt me, or kill me or something. And is that how the story truly proceeds? Oh, yes. If you look in the scriptures, it will clearly say that God put a mark on Cain, known as the, quote, mark of Cain, end quote. I think it was a big black smudge on his forehead, but I'm not privy to the details on account of the King James Version. But... With the mark of Cain on him, it would mean that anybody who ran across him, even though he was desperately cursed, would not kill him. And with that, Cain was sent out into the world alone because he did not accept the fact that God did not appear to be a vegetarian or vegan, as you white folks call it, or like tofu as much as he liked a good slice of lamb chops whatever the Abel was serving up for sacrifices. 
Now, that would be the end of that story, except we're given another piece that since one son was dead and the other one had to split, Adam and Eve had a third son whose name was Seth. And that would be the end of the story of Cain and Abel. Well, thank you, Reverend, for being with us and for sharing your insights. And we hope to be back in Gumneck with another of your series sometime soon. That'll be good, Chuck. And in case we have forgotten about it, I'd like to, again, assure that the fish fry is open to all and that we'll be doing a history of Gumneck, which many are on the well, because Gumneck is actually a more famous town in what regards, sir? It has a history which is generally unknown, which is that we's where the lost colony went after they left the beach on Roanoke Island on the county they had no food. It's a long story about the story of Croatan and the words carved in the tree and an association of kindness and understanding and congenialities between the Indians of the Americans of that time and the white folks that showed up here and ran out of food over there on the coast. But thank you for having me. It's been our pleasure to have you, and we look forward to our next series. We will discuss, can you give us a hint, Reverend? Oh, yes. We'll have to move on to the stories of Noah and the giants and the other stuff. Thank you. Thank you.